Welcome now to Culture at Work on the Business Radio Network, presented by Crest Insurance with host Matt Nelson. All right, well, welcome everyone to today's episode of Culture at Work in Tucson, proudly presented by Crest Insurance Group, where we learn from and celebrate the local leaders, businesses, and nonprofit organizations who have stood the test of Tucson time. I'm your host, Matt Nelson of Crest Insurance, and I'm joined here at Tucson Business Radio X Studios virtually um, today by TJ Jeskowitz and Christiana Benson of Perimeter Bicycling Association, um, more popularly, I think, known by our listeners as the organization that puts on the annual El Tour de Tucson and the Tour de Mesa, two of the really premier cycling events, road cycling events um, in both the Southwest and I would say in the country, uh, if you look at it in terms of scope and number of participants. And this month, we are going to be talking about a topic that uh, I've been looking forward to this since we kind of calendared it out a couple months back. But we are going to talk about the culture or a culture of giving back and how that relates to both workplace and community culture. So TJ, Christiana, thank you so much for joining us. It's truly a pleasure to have you both on the show. Happy to be here. So excited about this. Thank you. Of course. So, you know, I think back on the last 12 months, um, and they have been truly unprecedented, at least in my lifetime. And I think most anybody um, can, can share that view. Um, but going even further, I think about the last 10 or 11 years um, and the incredible changes that we've undergone as a community, both in terms of Tucson, um, but also as a business community, as a community, you know, Tucson has a strong nonprofit uh, side to our community. Um, it's, it's a community of people who want to give back. That's one of the reasons that I moved to Tucson, quite frankly. That was one of those cultural touchstones about this city that just reached out to me um, as I spent more time down here. And I think about the road that we've traveled uh, as a community, the economic collapse of 07, 08, 09, um, the COVID crisis, um, the changes we've seen as Tucson has grown, um, and they've been truly remarkable. And one of the, you know, Crest as an agency, I mean, I wasn't with Crest throughout that entire period, but the stories that our founder, Cody Ritchie, talks about as the agency was part of the community throughout that time period. Um, you know, we just celebrated our 10 year anniversary last year. Um, and then I think about the tour to Tucson and, and the, you know, 36 years that it's been um, in the community throughout. Can you talk a little bit about what that means to both of you as, as you know, TJ, I know you're newer to the Tucson community, but, um, you know, can you think, can you, can you talk about maybe what you've seen when you think about the last 10 years, the last 12 months, what you've seen and, and how that's kind of your life has been tied to the community and, and, and the organization you both work for and promote. Okay. Well, maybe I'll start. Um, so I, I am very new to this community. I moved here in July from Iowa and um, I wouldn't recommend really moving to Tucson uh, during monsoon season in the middle of a pandemic and probably about 115 degrees the day we moved, uh, moved in. So, um, but that being said, every minute that I've been here has been wonderful. Uh, it's just uh, getting to know the community, uh, even under the cloud of COVID has just been, been fantastic. Everyone I've met that's 
absolutely loves this community and it's a it's a different feel and i use that word community because that's what this is it, what it isn't just a place that people come and live and work and, and go home they get involved in this community and the business leaders um to you know people that that want to volunteer to um just people that you run into that have a story about about what el tour means to them um, so all those things are, are, are just, um, you know, just one of the things that, that make this community great and where El Tor has found that nice little niche over those, oh, you know, actually it's, it's 37 and we're going on our 38th year. Um, but when we're able to put on a world-class cycling event and give back to the community in the ways that we have over those years, that's what makes this event just absolutely spectacular. And like I said, I'll run into someone and I'll, I'll mention what I do and they'll stop you and they'll say, you know, my dad's ridden 28 El Tours. I've ridden 14 of them. My grandfather rode two of them. Um, and it really helps out the organization that, that my, my niece is benefiting by. And so with all those things that we hear, um, it, it just adds up to know that there's a special place in a lot of people's heart for this event. And we, we hope to be able to deliver that quality event for a long, long time in, in the community of Tucson. I agree. And, you know, actually, can you talk a little bit, and I probably jumped the gun a, a little bit, but maybe, Christiana, share a little bit on, on that question. And then what I'd love to do is I'd love to talk about what brought each of you to, you know, to Tucson. Because, you know, TJ, I know you um, managed a, an event you know, like you said, in Iowa, it's a very popular cycling event. We could talk a little bit about that. And Christiana, you know, you had a number of media positions beforehand. So maybe let's tackle the, you know, let's tackle the year in, in retrospective from your perspective, Christiana. And then, and then I'd love to talk a little bit about both of you and kind of how you got to the positions that you're in within the organization. Well, I've been in Tucson for 30 years. And uh, one of the first entrances into sports marketing um, came early on for me uh, in my early 20s, uh, working with the city of Tucson to help bring the Senior Olympics to town. So I have seen what a great economic impact a sporting event can provide for our great little big city. Um, this town is culturally diverse and culturally rich. We have um, so many amazing people who are interested in raising up the community in different ways. And we have a great local art community. Uh, there are uh, sporting teams that are that have been here in Tucson and based in Tucson. We just have a lot to offer. And uh, it's been a phenomenal journey uh, this 30 years that I've lived here. But what I've seen in the past year is just great leadership emerging. And um, I definitely have heard from different businesses, the word agility come to mind. And I think during these times of COVID, it, it is a great reminder that we have to be a community and we have to work together. And without that content in context, we are, we are not able to move the mountains that we need to. We know that the charities exist because there are still problems that need to be addressed. And we can't divert our eyes. And that's the whole reason behind El Tour. That is why we exist. So we can provide this great legacy event, 
So as TJ was uh, speaking to that many individuals can as uh, build on this legacy of going to do El Tour and do this ride together as a family. Um, families can come out with their children and participate. And then their other family members and friends can come out and support them. And it's um, just a warm hearted, fun event that brings all of Tucson together. Um, I'm just so happy to be a part of it. So, uh, I'll tell you, I've, I've ridden in, I'm um, coming up on my uh, fifth tour to Tucson, and um, it's, I've ride in a number of cycling events, and it's an event like like none, like none other I've been a part of. Um, so I think for a lot of people, you know, that, that maybe aren't cyclists, understanding the scope and breadth of impact that the event has had on our communities is something that until you see the numbers, it's it's difficult to picture, right? So we think the first event, 1983, you know, less than 200 bicyclists, right? Um, most recent event, we're talking 7,000 plus cyclists, I believe it is. Um, all ages, all abilities, all over the world. In total, more than 270,000 riders have participated in this event. It's raised more than $101 million for charities and nonprofits throughout the community. If you ride in it, you've got the massive party that happens downtown that, you know, if you're on a bicycle while you're there, that's fantastic. Um, I can tell you when you make that final corner on, you know, the 100 plus mile race coming up sixth and you hear the roar of that crowd as you're coming up, I mean, you can be pretty darn tired at the end of that race and still it is up out of the saddle, hammering away it as hard as you can to make it to the finish line. It's incredible. What do you think it is about this event that makes it have, you know, A, what do you think it is about cycling in general that makes for such a good pairing with community support and participation? And then what does that do for you or, or anybody who volunteers in the event or participates as part of it as in terms of kind of keeping you motivated and, and you know, attracted to come in and put in the hard work that you do. And, and maybe TJ, maybe we'll start with you since, you know, you've got some experience with other large scale events like this, like sure. Ragbray, the ride across Iowa, events in Florida, so on and so forth. Well, I think the thing that, that strikes me is when a community takes ownership of the event, I mean, people are so proud of this event. We have an amazing cycling community here. In the infrastructure of, of Tucson, I mean, you could ride your bike 365 days a year. You can't do that in Wisconsin, okay? So, well, you can, but you're you're bundled up a little bit more than you would be you know, like, you know, this weekend when we rode in t-shirts. So having that culture of cycling 365 days a year, some amazing sites and, and, and locations that you could ride to, you could ride, you know, what mountain range shall we pick today? What, what, you know, great challenge, or this is my first time on a bike and, you know, I'm going to go out and ride because I'm going to start training for, for El Tor. And so that, that community is such a, a, an amazing community of cyclists in this community what they take with El Tor, they grasp it. If, if you're a rider, you appreciate it. Like you just said, Matt, hey, I've, I've ridden five of them. It's part of my blood now. 
or they volunteer or their 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 families involved and they come down and cheer them on this community embraces the ride or the race whichever you want to you know determine to to call it more than any community that i've ever seen and that's what makes this event you know instead of having a couple thousand people like like most large scale races or rides have this is and and you can quote me on this uh, El Tor, we don't publicize this a whole lot, but in reality is it is the largest bicycle race in the United States. Now, when you're number one at something, it's a really good thing. You know, you think back when, when Arizona won the basketball national championship, you're really proud when you're number one. Okay. So, so when we're the largest cycling event in the entire United States, there's a reason. And it's because of those things. When you're coming down six, then you hear that roar you know, it brings you back and say, gosh, that was great. I want to do it again. Or when you get done and you have that, that greatest meal of all time from riding a hundred miles and you sit down and you have a cold beer or, or whatever that, that flavor you want, you know, the, those things are just etched in your memory that, that, wow, that was fantastic. I can't wait till next year because I'm going to bring my friends. I'm going to, I'm going to get others involved because that was fantastic. Now, on top of all that, that experience, what really sets El Tor apart, that 101 million that you just mentioned, we're probably dealing with about 35 uh, nonprofits that people ride for those organizations like Rotary, which is one of their largest fundraisers in, in the entire United States. There's local ones like the Green Brave Foundation that just got involved or we ride for this year. There are so many organizations that El Tor touches and raises funds for. But when you add up all those things that we've helped, that $101 million over 37 years in a community our size is something fantastic. And so if, if you said, hey, what is, what is the most special thing about El Tor? Probably a lot of people will give you a lot of different answers about, hey, it's a challenge, it's this, it's that. But the monies that are raised for charities that stay, most of them right here in Tucson, is just absolutely amazing. Yeah, and well, you know, you hit on something at the start there that I actually love about El Tour, right? Because I started out, you know, the first time I wrote it, um, I write every year for one of the chair, one of the nonprofits, Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Southern Arizona. And, and, you know, the first time I wrote it, it was honestly, they had a team that they were pulling together and they said, you know, would you, would you like to, would you like to just try this? And, you know, being myself, you know, an army guy, formal, you know, I played sports in high school, that sort of thing. I'd never ridden a race of that, I had, of that distance. I'd never ridden a ride of anything longer than 75, 80 miles, right? And I certainly hadn't done it um, in a large group. And so it was intimidating, right? And, uh, and yet the event, when you said, you know, it's a ride or a race, it depends on kind of how you want to approach it, right? And there's people on both sides of that camp as it relates mm -hmm. to the tour, right? I mean, um, the thing that I loved about it is if it is a race, it's a race against yourself, right? Because what you're looking for every year is, all right, did I get better in terms of time? Was there, I remember that first year that we did it, there's that climb out of, um, uh, out of, um, gosh, uh, Melanie Zuckerman, uh, Canyon Ranch. And that climb that first year I did it, you know, was dead at the top. And I looked and I'm like, oh gosh, I'm only 60 miles in. This is going to be a long afternoon, right? Um, and so next year, my goal was I want to be able to hammer that climb and come out of it and feel like I'm ready 
to go. And then the year after that, I was like, I want my split time by that to be this and so on and so forth. And so, you know, you're, the idea of a competition where the scoreboard is in your own mind, I think that's one of those things that's incredible about this event. And yet the fact that the tour has managed to maintain an accessibility where you can be whenever I talk to somebody and they say, you know what, this is my first year, really even in case of somebody borrowing a bike from uphill into the wind, I've never even owned a competitive road bike before. And yet there's a place for them at an event like this, that is such an incredible dynamic to have where you can where you can appease both of those crowds. And so Christiana, and when I think about you and your involvement in El, in El Tour, and we've talked about this, but you know, you're, you're not somebody that comes in with, hey, I've been part of five major cycling events past, you know, b- before this as, uh, you know, organizing them, putting together. I, I wasn't a competitive cyclist and yet when I listen to you describe why you're part of this organization, when, you know, when we talk about why Crest, for example, was going to get involved in it, when you told me, hey, this is why we think Crest is a natural fit. Here's where I think you guys fit. You're able to talk about it with the same level of passion that I am as somebody who competes in it, the same level of passion that TJ does as somebody who has been involved in events like this forever. What is it about what brought you to the event and maybe your history that you think draws that parallel or maybe that the event itself that makes it able to cater to both audiences? (laughs) Well, I certainly have a marketing background and I think that was just the basis for everything. I um, I had started, I had started with El Tour because what I was trying to do was help to find funding for Floyd Landis's team. Um, He had a pro cycling team that was about to lose its funding. And um, I was asked to help do some of the fundraising. And in that, I had a conversation with a coworker um, who happens to be at El Tour. This is uh, my friend, Steve Rivera, who's a sports writer and um, has a a great background um, in sports reporting. He asked me to come and speak with uh, the CEO for Perimeter, and that at the time was Charlene Grabowski. So I showed up. I think you walk through the door sometimes and have the conversation. You never know where it'll lead to, for you. Um, so I was happy to do that. And what I was just, just there to do was to describe to her how I was approaching this fundraising campaign for this team that I um, had to uh, come up to speed and learn quickly about, um, and just make phone calls by helping to leverage some of my own personal contacts and just reaching out to everybody that I thought would be a perfect fit. But it really has to do with um, finding out, um, asking really specific questions about how I can um, try to determine who would be the, the best uh, fit to market to and who could benefit uh, the most from that. So if Maybe it takes somebody who's a novice at something to try to find a different way. It just is a all in the approach and um, doing an awful lot of listening. So, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head because I think for everybody, it means something, you know, like something different. You know, I've, I've got people that I've talked to that have written this because it's something they just say, hey, I've, I've never thought I was able to do it. So when I think about the fact that this event does mean something different to everybody. And, and so when you're talking to sponsors and organizations that want to be a part of it, um, nonprofits that want to be a part of it, 
how do you describe the impact that the event could have? Let's say for one of the nonprofits that's that's looking to be a beneficiary, and you know maybe they don't have a direct tie to cycling. Um, you know they all the all that they have is they have people perhaps that are part of their organization that you think, hey, there could be an opportunity to make an impact here. How do you get them excited about an event that is probably very far away from what their core mission is? Well, over time, you've probably looked at a lot of different nonprofits and how they've raised funds. I mean, we've gone from, hey, let's have a golf tournament or a bowling tournament to a 5K road race or, and a lot of these organizations were putting on that actual event. And they would spend a lot of time doing the administrative part um, of putting on a golf tournament and, and probably making a few dollars off that event. So when we can offer them to be involved in a world-class event and focus strictly on the fundraising aspect, we'll take care of all the administrative stuff. All you do is show up, you know, you raise your funds, which, which you keep. We don't take, you know, LTOR doesn't say, hey, for every dollar that you fundraise, we're going to take a quarter. I mean, it's all 100% to those nonprofits, which we're absolutely proud of. Um, so you focus on fundraising and get people involved. And you know what? We're going to show them a great time on the bike. And so they get to compete or get to ride whichever way they want to look at this in a, in a world-class event. And all they have to do is just come, come have fun. And so when they're not worrying about, okay, we need 100 volunteers to put on this event, all those people can be involved in this world-class event. So it, it really just ch changes that focus. And so over time, we've seen so many events that have tried to do a cycling event or tried to do a 5K uh, road race or, or something along that line. And, and most of those events don't happen anymore. They're, they're very difficult to, to do. Um, all the permitting, the insurance, all that kind of stuff that goes into a, a major function is very difficult. And they spent more time working on the logistics than they did on what their mission was or, or the fundraising part. Now, the mission part of it, I mean, what could be better than putting on that jersey? Like I noticed that you have a, a big brother, uh, big sister's jersey right behind you there, Matt. And, you know, what can be better than riding down the road and someone says, hey, tell me about Big Brothers, Big Sisters. And, and you, you look at that person with a smile as they're riding right next to you. And, and the, probably the best promo you could possibly do is having that one-on-one -on -one interaction. Now, maybe that person says, hey, you know what? That sounds great. I think I'll get involved in that organization or I'll donate to that organization. Um, but that, that right there of promoting your cause amongst the thousands of people that are riding El Tour or, or get interviewed by a TV station or a radio station when you get done. All those things to, to let the people know in Tucson and, and people that are here to, to visit from all over the world, let them know about your organization. What could be better than that? And if you raise some funds, the people that participate in the event have a great time doing so, it's an absolute win. And I think that's why we've had more and more organizations that have gotten involved in El Tor. And, you know, obviously when they can raise the funds that they do have a good time and not worry about the little logistical things that we take care of, it's just really good for the nonprofits to be involved. Yeah. I mean, you really want to think about some of those nonprofits and um, what they're trying to do on a daily basis. All they've been robbed of that opportunity this past year and having to maneuver and, um, pivot <laughs> um, through the, the months of COVID that have been so bleak. 
it's hard to have hope for something. And I think that's something that El Tour offers. And as you were speaking to earlier, Matt, that you were saying, um, you know, we have a little bit of something for everyone. We have the fun ride. So we have 10, five and one mile. And then we have the 28 mile, the 57 mile and the hundred mile. We have a brand, we have brand new routes um, to offer. And so there's, uh, you know, this virtual tour of Tucson as you're going through um, different parts that you haven't seen before and uh, offering uh, this backdrop of um, the beautiful landscape of that Tucson, Arizona and Southern Arizona has to offer. You, you know, we differentiate ourselves because we're that time century ride. Um, that makes us uh, more interesting for a lot of writers and, and just provides a different um, segment of the writer population to come out and, and ride with us. But these nonprofits that we serve, that's why we're here. Again, just that thought that we are the conduit for them so we can help them to have a platform so they're able to raise the funds when they did not have that ability throughout the year, um, especially to hold their gala events and their uh, live auctions. So we know that fundraising looks a lot different and we know that the marketing is not gonna be the same um, from here on out. We have to think of very diverse ways that we can offer value to our sponsors and to the nonprofits that we serve. Uh, there are 40 different causes that you can choose from. With El Tour, there's a little something for everyone, a little flavor. Um, we hope that any writer that's writing with us will choose a, an organization to write with so they can help to uh, raise awareness for these uh, different charities and help continue the conversation. That is why we are here. We want to make a difference and um, every little bit counts. They need us so much during this time and we realize we can't get there alone. They can't get there alone. So that's why we're trying to galvanize the community to work with us, to show up for Tucson, to help local businesses, to affect the economy. And how can we all come together and do great things for Tucson? I think that's a, that's a great, great point um, with respect to the mission of the organization. And I've got, I wanna jump into two big things that you brought up, but before this question takes us a, a bit far afield, um, we're at the bottom half of the hour. So I wanna take a quick break. For those of you who are just joining us, this is Culture at Work in Tucson, proudly presented by Crest Insurance. As the largest locally owned and operated insurance brokerage in Southern Arizona and one of the top 100 insurance agencies in the United States, Crest is your hometown broker to assist with commercial insurance, workers' compensation, and employee health insurance plans. I'm your host, Matt Nelson, and now back to our conversation with Christiana Benson and TJ Jeskowitz of Perimeter Bicycling Association, better known as the organization that puts on El Tour de Tucson and the Tour de Mesa. So, you know, TJ, you brought up something that um, I think in the, in the sense of giving back, with that being the theme of this month's episode, and there's the community aspect of giving back and, and, and supporting the nonprofits and businesses getting involved in our tour, like Crest does as, as the sponsor of the, uh, of the Bike Patrol. But then I think about the Bike Patrol, and, and I can tell you... Um, you know, you hit that 50, 60 mile mark and legs start to get a little heavy. And that's about when the people who are riding maybe the 50 mile event um, 
start coming up, working their way through the pack. And, and you can maybe grab a hold of somebody's wheel and catch a breather for a second. Um, or the people that I look for um, are, you know, the people cruising in the bike patrol that they volunteer every year to come out and ride and help riders who are having maybe a mechanical problem, provide some motivation, give somebody a wheel to hang on. If you're, you know, doing one of those long, by gosh, it looks like it's flat, but it sure doesn't feel like it stretches. Um, and you got somebody that's there volunteering to help you out. And then you start rolling into maybe that next aid station. And you're like, I can get a, I can get a drink of water. And you've got people running up to you, volunteers running up to you who have spent their entire day out there in the sun. They're not getting paid to do it. They're just coming out to support it. So can you talk a little bit about that type of giving back and, and really the importance of volunteers to making an event, the size and scope of the tour to Tucson happen. Sure. So I just met with uh, Bill and Greg the other day who, who've been putting on bike patrol for, for more years than you can count. And um, they had mentioned, I, I think they both have been involved probably close to 30 years and as bike patrol experts and what you just described, you know, from the time the gun goes off to the time you, you see that finish line, they're out there. They're not looking at their watch saying, hey, can I get my personal best? They're there to simply assist. And it could be, um, hey, you know, I've got a, you know, my derailleur is, is hanging a little low. I need a little adjustment. I, I've got a flat tire or just a word of encouragement. So all those things can help when you're at that point where you hit the wall, more or less, and you feel, okay, look, you know, my, my, my bike just, you know, um, you know, I got a flat here. I'm on mile 80. Um, I don't know if I can do it. I'm going to call, you know, someone to pick me up. And, and here comes a bike patrol person to talk you off that ledge and say, hey, what's wrong with the bike? Let's, let's take a look at this. Let's get it back. So you're rolling. Um, and then they realize, you know what? Hey, for the last 10 miles, I've been riding low. Um, now I'm riding a little bit better. And I, I think a lot of it, a lot of it is mental instead of the physical thing of repairing that bike. But just having that, that person that says, Hey, we can do this. I'll, 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 you know, get, get behind me a little bit. You know, we're going into a strong headwind. Um, all of a sudden you feel, Hey, you know what, this is doable. And so that's just some of the things that bike patrol they're, they're there to just assist. And there's hundreds of people that are out there in those bright yellow jerseys or t-shirts with the bike patrol emblazed on them that are there to just give you that little extra something to, to help you along the way, because you, you're never going to be able to put a bike shop on every corner where you, you might have a breakdown. So to have bike patrol out there with, um, you know, some of them, uh, when I was talking to Bill Sarnak the other day, he said he carries a floor pump on his bicycle and he carries, uh, you know, a, a full set of tools. And I'm like, I'm like, Bill, what do you got an extra 50 pounds on your bike? And, you know, you, you think about that. I mean, Matt, you, you've ridden, you know, when you're putting all these extra things on your bike and you're riding a hundred miles, um, it's something special to do that. So those guys have got to be in extraordinary shape and gals need to be in extraordinary shape to, to do those miles and to carry that gear and stop and get off the bike when you might be even going downhill just to help someone out. So uh, a real tip of the helmet to those people, because without all those volunteers that are helping them along the way, that turns that adventure, hey, I rode El Tor, but you know, I did a, a DNF and at 80 miles, I was done. Compared to take that to say, 
I had a hundred mile day and it was fantastic. Yeah, I had a flat along the way. I had a great, I met a great friend that uh, stopped along the way, helped me out, encouraged me. And you know what, you know, an hour later I pulled, I pulled into downtown and, and crossed that finish line. So without bike, bike patrol, and, and there's just so many other, there's SAG patrol, there's, there's obviously law enforcement, there's, you know, medical personnel out there. There are so many people and it doesn't have to be someone just in bike patrol. You know, sometimes it's that person on the, on the street corner that says, Hey, you're doing great. That gives you that extra smile or, you know, a, a kid waving a flag or something like that, that gives you that little extra motivation to say, Hey, I can do this when you think you're beaten. And um, so all those things add up, but bike patrol just really does stand out because there's, there, you know, and, and, and we can't thank you guys enough at, at Crest to, um, to, you know, be the supporters of bike patrol for El Torre Tucson and El Torre Mesa. So, so thanks to Crest Insurance for, uh, for stepping up and really helping because they are an integral part of the safety of El Torre. First ever too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I, I think it's we, Christian. That was Christiana's idea, really. I, I've got to give credit. You know, we when I talked with Cody, and and you know, Cody is one of the most generous people um, I've really ever had the pleasure of working for. I mean, he's so our agency motto, um, and it's just something that literally this was before he even said, hey, Matt, I'd like you to come work for me. It was kind of like his screening question to see whether he was even going to have that discussion with me it was kind of this idea of, you know, if we do well, we'll do good. That's, that is his defining principle. And, and I think it's, it's such a great way to look at the world, which is you, you look at success as a mechanism to make an impact, not I want success for success's sake. And, and that's, that's just such a great way to look at things. It's inspiring, right? And it, and it makes some of the grind a little bit more doable because you know that there's a higher purpose than, you know, just the reward of, you know, whether it's money or whatever else you're looking for, right? And so, you know, when Christiana first called me and said, hey, there's an opportunity, we'd love to have you as part of um, the tour, you know, really, I was kind of struggling with it candidly because I was, well, I don't, I don't really know where we fit in, where it's like it's going to capture the way that we look at things. And so, and then, of course, we had a, a limited budget because, you know, as we've talked about, when last year hit, um, Cody's commitment was we're going to take Crest's marketing budget and we are donating it to the food banks. So we had a food bank in Phoenix and a food That's bank great. in Tucson. And, and, I'm sorry, what's that? It blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, and that was that was one of those things that I mean, Cody almost did it under the cover of under the cover of night. It wasn't something where we sat down in a committee and like, all right, this is what it was kind of a thing where he came back in and he's like, guys, I've decided to do this. And so and 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 again, it just struck me where I was like, and and the way he looked at it is he said, people need help. The food banks provide that critical gap, uh, that critical bridge for people who are kind of going through this gap. This is what we're going to do. Um, and, and so when I brought that up to Christiana and, and we started talking about it, that's when she said, you know what? I've got an idea. Let's talk about a part of the tour that is about helping people. And that's where the bike patrol idea came up. And it was just such a perfect fit. I kind of went back to him and I said, all right, we've got to shake some couch cushions out. Cody, what do you think? And, and to his credit, he said, all right, let's start let's start shaking some couch cushions and, and it all worked out. And, and I, I'm beyond thrilled. I know he's beyond thrilled that we're part of El Tour. And I think 
that really kind of leads me into a question, and maybe Christiana, I'd love to hear your perspective on it. But, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people really underestimate about the nonprofit community, and that comes from me being, I've been, um, I, this is my, my, my last year as the treasurer of Big Brothers, Big Sister of, uh, of Tucson, but I've been part of that organization for a number of years. Um, and I think one of the people, one of the things that people really underestimate about the nonprofit community is the amount of grit that is required to keep moving forward against really tough odds. And this year, uh, more than any, has done it. And then I think about some of the tough times that the tour has gone through. You know, really, I mean, you're, this organization had to reinvent itself and then immediately roll into the headwinds of this last year. So both from the perspective of the nonprofits that you've talked to, Christiana, but also from an organizational standpoint, TJ, how do you guys and how does your team maintain focus on the tasks to pull off something this big? And how do you pivot or how have the nonprofits you've talked to pivoted in response to the adversity that has brought them to, you know, to, to look at El Tour as maybe for some of them, their sole opportunity to fundraise for the year? Well, I have conversations daily that end up being more like brainstorming sessions. How do you get to the answers? Because all of us are facing the same thing. And like I mentioned before, we are all part of this community and we're all in it together. Um, I could have great ideas and if I keep them all to myself and don't share them with anybody else, they do no good. So I might be able to come up with an idea that somebody else can jump off of. And I know that my conversations with you, Matt, I was just so inspired what I had heard and read in the news, um, even just even being on LinkedIn and seeing what Cody was writing about your company. I heard such great leadership and that was what propelled me to uh, head forward and not look back on anything. I know that we've had to overcome great things at El Tour and I just want you to know uh, the conversations that I'm having on a daily basis with all of these different companies, business leaders, CEOs, all I hear is great leadership that makes me feel hopeful for the future and hopeful for Tucson. I feel so inspired every day to be able to speak with the nonprofits and hear how they're just trying everything that they can to keep going and to stay afloat. They still have their mission and their cause to um, draw awareness to, and they're just looking for ways to show up. So one of the things that I'm, I've been doing moving forward is trying to connect local businesses and local leaders with the nonprofits and have the conversations together about how they're working. Because had I not had this conversation with you, Matt, I would not have learned about um, your work with the Community Food Bank and your generous donation to them. Um, I would not hear how you're working then within your organization to provide meals for your employees. And, um, and then going as far as to offering tutoring for the children of your employees. I think it sounds more all encompassing. You know, I talked to another company recently that wanted to donate a car. Who, who can we give a car to so they can help to raise more money? How can we be involved? Can you connect us with someone? And I think, again, I wake up for those ways to show up and connect people uh, together so we can make a difference. And we have to be ultra creative every single day. Um, 
but that's what makes it fun. And we have this very dynamic team where we work well together and um, we uh, toss ideas around and there just doesn't seem to be any limit to what it is that we're willing to, to do. There's uh, lots of hours, but never enough. We have 100 extra hours in the work week. Um, I'd like to be able to spend every one of those uh, working on a cause. And I will play tambourine myself for any business and any nonprofit that I can. I will be happy to show up. Even though we're we're trying to do new and innovative things and trying to connect nonprofits and all, we're never going to lose focus of where we've been in the past. I mean, we've got such a great history. Um, what Richard DeBernardis did when he founded this event uh, as a as a you know tremendous cyclist to uh, pull people and promote the city of Tucson and, and the great cycling community here. Um, he was the person that really said, hey, it's, it's about the community and about nonprofits. And so we never want to lose focus of what this event was founded on. Um, but there's also a lot more down the road that we can get these nonprofits involved and get more people excited about coming to Tucson and riding. So, so we're obviously grateful for that visionary uh, founder that we had uh, in Richard, uh, bringing that together and the people along the way. Um, you know, Christian, I mentioned Charlene Grabowski, who stepped in um, and really, you know, just just righted the ship when we were we were hitting hitting some rough patches. Um, and so Charlene's on our board now doing some great things, bringing in some great ideas. Uh, but there's so many people along the way that have looked out for El Tor and because what it's meant to this community. And without, you know, without doing those right things along the way, as far as helping nonprofits and all that, we might not have had El Tor that lasted over 30 years. And so um, if you look at all the major events in the, in the country, there's not too many that have been going on for 38 years. I can tell you right now. And um, yeah, there's the Boston Marathon and, and things like that that have been going on for a long, long time. But you think about it. And, you know, how many events in Tucson alone have been going on for 38 years? You could probably count them on your hand. And so um, it's just a, a testament to all of those things working together, coming up with creative new ideas to stay afloat. Because if you don't pivot, you know, you die off. And so, um, you know, taking some of the things that have been, you know, very important. Because occasionally we'll get someone that'll call up and say, you know what? My wife rode in 1983, and she was wondering what her time was in 1983. And we'll look at the record book, and, and when people say, well, time's not important, it is to that woman or that husband. And so, you know, Matt, you may not be able to tell us what time you did last year, but, you know, to some people, it's important. And it might have been, you know, they did the 100 miles in eight hours, you know, but that eight hours is important to them compared to the four hours that, that someone that looks a little bit different than, than, than me on that bike. But, um, you know, it's different in different ways. And um, so that's why, that's why we're, we're driven to keep this thing going. And, you know, we appreciate the help of, of businesses and, and others to keep it afloat. And uh, we look to have it for a long, long time. You know, I, I can I can tell you I'm a slightly competitive person, so I can I can tell you to the minute what my time was last year. <laughs> there you and go. What I hope it's going to be this year, which is uh, I'm hoping that my ride takes me less than five hours. We'll see where it goes. But more importantly, you mentioned something uh, the word pivot because so this year is really uh, it's going to be a completely new course this year, which is exciting 
right? I mean, this isn't, you know, we had a slight realignment here. We had a slight realignment there. I mean, we're, we're going south now. And, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that, you know, when, when, you, when you talk to people, and I've talked to friends in Tucson that aren't cyclists. And so to them, you know, they, I don't know that they fully understand the logistical lift that is required to get something like this to happen. Can you share some insight on what it takes just in general to get an event of this scope off of the ground? I mean, negotiating with local uh, local law enforcement, working with municipalities about traffic control, getting volunteers. What does it take to make something like this happen? And what's more, when you've got to pivot and all of a sudden completely redraw a course and go into a completely different part of the state, what does that take? And how can you maybe contrast that with perhaps some of the other events that you've done where, you know, like, like one that covered an entire state in the case of the ride, uh, the ride in Iowa? Sure. Well, completely different type of event. What, what happened in Iowa was going, you know, seven days all the way across the state. And it was just kind of a, almost a straight line all, all the way across where we're not circling an, an entire community and, um, and having just a great impact on one area. So that, that event with Ragbri would, would go across the state in seven days and probably come across probably about 50 different communities. And most of them were very, very small rural communities. And so when you go to a town of 300 people it, that doesn't have a traffic light, it's a lot different than coming into downtown Tucson. Okay. So it's, it's really apples and oranges to compare that type of event. Um, but now if you take a look at what, what we're doing with El Tour de Tucson, it's, it's closer to what Tour de France is because it goes into a large population um, where you're literally having to shut down for safety reasons. You're having to shut down streets. So it's impacting not only the, the safety of the, the cyclist, but we've got to deal with the motorists that are trying to get around the city, uh, spectators, all that stuff. But we probably have hundreds upon hundreds of law enforcement officers, DOT officials, uh, volunteers at rest stops, all that stuff is all combined to make sure that we can safely put on this event. Because if someone gets hurt on the event, that's the worst thing that can happen. So with all those things working together from law enforcement, uh, engineers, all those things, I mean, going out and sweeping the roads, all those things are so important. And um, without you know our team coordinating them, it doesn't happen. When, when we think about that, and then I know, you know, this year is, again, a, a, a pretty revolutionary year that you're lining up because we're kind of kickstarting uh, Tour de Mesa again, and, and um, that's going to be extremely exciting. Um, what do you both see in terms of the future for El Tour, both of them, perhaps? Perhaps, you know, if we look at uh, PBAA in general, and, and, you know, I know that there used to be an event in Vegas. Where do you want to see this organization grow, whether it's in terms of geography, in terms of event size, although, like you said, you know, Tour de Tucson is already number one. So, you know, I mean, you can, <laughs> you can go for one plus brand in terms of impact, you know, and, and when you think about that vision, what do you think that does or, or maybe even could mean for Tucson and, and the nonprofits that you are giving back to so generously? Sure. 
Well, the thing with, with Tucson, um, you know, again, it's a, such a fantastic event. I mean, maintaining and growing that event is going to be, you know, first and foremost. I mean, it is a flagship event. Uh, there used to be five or six events that that perimeter had put on, and they weren't just in Arizona. So bringing back Torta Mesa, uh, I think was really important, um, especially at this time. There are more people cycling than ever in our country just due to the pandemic. Um, so capturing some of that as well as, you know, you look at the Phoenix metro area, I mean, it's the fifth largest population base in the United States. So there's a lot of riders that we can pull. It's a great commercial for El Torre de Tucson as well to have Mesa. Um, but looking at the future, you know, I mean, could there be, you know, a multi-day ride that happens in the state of Arizona uh, where we can visit some neat, neat places. So maybe, a, you know, a three-day ride or something along those lines. Um, so we're going to look at all those types of things, maybe a couple more fun rides that are based in the in the city of Tucson. Um, one of the things that we really love to showcase, uh, I've seen in other uh, communities and I've put on myself, are food-based rides. I mean, we have some of the best restaurants in the entire world right here in Tucson. So, you know, if there's a food-based ride. So there's some other thoughts down the road, obviously, with the pandemic has kind of tap the brakes on a couple of the ideas, but look forward to seeing some other events that would be Tucson-based, as well as maybe a, a multi-day ride that would, would happen maybe in 2022. That's really, really exciting to hear. Um, I agree with you 100%. There are so many, and this is one of the things that I realized when I, when I moved to Tucson, there are so many incredible things about this community that really kind of go unsung. And to have a signature event like the Tour de Tucson that highlights that and really kind of highlights for people why it's such a special community. Because I, most everybody I've interviewed on this show, if they've not grown up in Tucson, when they talk about it, it's like, oh, it took me about, took me, you know, the first six, seven months after I was down here, that's when all of a sudden all of the value in this, in this region and in this community really started to become apparent. So to have an event that kind of serves as in and of itself an ambassador for that, that is wonderful to hear. And, and I really can't think of an event that's better poised to do it just by virtue of its nature with the downtown fiesta and kind of the, for some of us, a slower motion trip than others uh, that's taking you kind of around really the beauty of our community. So that's, that's extremely excited to, ex exciting to hear. Um, well, I'll tell you with that, you know, we've, we've hit our hour. I just want to say thank you so much, TJ and Christiana both for taking the time um, here at uh, Culture at Work in Tucson. Again, Crest is beyond excited to be a supporter of the event. I am looking forward uh, to riding it coming up here in a couple months. I'm looking forward to probably um, in heart more than in leg strength doing the Tour de Mesa <laughs> seven days after I do the Tour de Tucson. We'll see how, yeah. that, uh, how that goes. <laughs> but uh, again, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, really appreciate it. If people want to find out more about Tour to Tucson. I'm assuming they can, you know, they can find you on Facebook, on Twitter, on, are, are you guys on Instagram? I believe you are. Every, everything. It's uh, eltourdaytucson.org is a website and eltourdemesa.org. So, uh, but Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you name it, we're there. And if they're looking to ride for one of your nonprofits as a beneficiary, is there, where should they go to, should they go to the nonprofit itself or can they access it through your webpage? Either way, right on our homepage, there's a list. I mean, it hits you right in the face, right when you log on, of all the all the logos of about 30 to 40 nonprofits that are involved with El Torre de Tucson. 
Okay, well, perfect. Well, again, TJ, Christiana, thank you so much. And for all of you listening at home, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to, to listen. We look forward to talking to you next month. This is Matt Nelson with Culture at Work in Tucson signing off. Join Matt for another interesting Culture at Work podcast right here on TucsonBusinessRadioX.com. Thank you.